0: This is Professor X, and you're tuned into the Who's Your Daddy Godcast Network.
1: Get ready to experience a downpour of the
0: manifestation of God's blessing in your life, because 2019 is the year of the latter rain. This is the award-winning podcast from a history with God Ministries Godcast Network, featuring Frank and Christina Sasso. Visit us online at historywithgod.org for articles, links, prophetic words, prayer requests, and other awesome resources. Now, without any further ado, let's welcome the host of this broadcast, Christina Sasso.
1: Hello, podcastia. Yeah. It's me again. It's Christina. I am back to do kind of a follow through and follow up on a podcast I did about the latter rain. So this is kind of like a part two continuation of that one. And this actually came out of a revelation I had because I was looking for an answer specifically in scripture for someone who I met, lovely person, but was a little bit confused because she didn't understand how number one, we were not sinners anymore because we you know me and Frank say this, she was saved, she's Christian, loves the Lord, definitely has a heart for people, and then of course these people all the time, but did not really understand the fullness of what salvation is, so she believed she's saved, but she kept saying, "Well, I'm a sinner saved by grace, and we kept saying, well you're not a sinner anymore, because you've been saved by grace. But that's another podcast for another time. But she also said, but then well, what about the scripture that says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I love the scripture. And I love when people say it to me, So I had an answer for her. We were at a party, it was a gathering, so I didn't have my Bible with me and so on. But I gave her a kind of shorter answer and hoped to see her again. I was grateful for that conversation because it brought me to think about doing a podcast to really give a fuller answer. What does that scripture mean? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And um, for this particular person, she felt like she had to work out her salvation, okay, with fear and trembling, and I'm going to put this to you, listeners, what do you have to do to gain your salvation? I mean, after you have accepted Jesus and his finished work, what are you going to do to work out your salvation? I mean, it doesn't even, it sounds ridiculous when you say that, so you're going to do more than Jesus did. So, okay, so Jesus did everything he got on the cross, he went into hell, he got the keys and the crown, he sacrificed his righteousness for my sin and on and on and on and everything that he did and paid for and bled for and suffered for. But you know what? Let me work it out. Doesn't that kind of sound ridiculous? I mean, I'm going to work out my own salvation. You're reading this incorrectly. And you're understanding it incorrectly if that's what you're thinking. Because now you're making Jesus's work of ill effect. You're actually voiding the work that he did. And I know that people don't want to do that. But that in essence is what you're saying. So what Jesus did wasn't enough. I've got to work it out. I couldn't work it out before Jesus. And I can't work it out after Jesus if I'm going to try and do it myself. Me and myself can't do it. And you and yourself can't do it. That's why Jesus had to come and do it, and he finished it once and for all. Okay, so that being said, let's delve into this. Just reading in Romans, which is, I love Romans, it's such a a great book after Acts, it's just great. So in Romans 4, what shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. So was Abraham justified by his own works, or was he justified through God and gives the glory to God? For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Why was it counted unto Abraham for righteousness? Because he believed God, he trusted God. Now to him, that work is the reward but not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So if you're working, then you get the reward. That's not grace, that's debt. So if you work a job, then you get paid because then you're owed a debt because you did something in order to get such and such amount of money. So if it's up to you, then you get paid. That's not grace, that's debt. But to him that worketh not, but believe on him that justified the ungodly, His faith is counted for righteousness. So what that's saying is, if you're not doing the work, but you believe on the one that did the work, Jesus, then it's justified to you as faith and counted as righteousness. Not your righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ Jesus. So that righteousness is counted to you. Even as David, who also described the blessedness of the man, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. So I'm trying to get this across, that it's not anything you're going to do that's going to make you righteous or holy or saved. The work was done, and it was done by someone greater than we. It was done by Jesus himself on the cross. And the scripture goes on, saying, "'Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered.'" Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Why? Because he, the Lord Jesus, paid the price. Because he, the Lord Jesus, did the work. So Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. So what is our work then? Well, why does it say that? The work is to believe. Our work is to believe and to trust in Jesus's finished work. Because if, as it goes on to say in Romans 4, 4, if to him that work is the reward, then that's not grace, but that's debt. Work is not grace, but it's debt. So if you're working and toiling and trying to be good and trying to be holy and trying to be righteous, you're never going to be. And that's out of debt. That's not grace. Now, the work is of the flesh and the law. So we're talking about work now, trying to be holy, trying to be good, trying to be obedient, trying to do all the commandments. That work is of your flesh and the law. And you owe and you will always owe a debt never to be paid with all your trying. You're never going to be able to pay that debt because you're never going to be perfect. You're always going to miss the mark. That's why Jesus had to come. So in all your working, it's as filthy rags. You trying so hard to be holy is as filthy rags, which means basically dirty menstrual rags. It's like the filthiest thing that a Jew could think of. But, 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 but the good news. If we continue on in Romans 5, which I just read, to him, who does not work, but believes, believes of him, Jesus, who justified the ungodly. All of us, we're all, were the ungodly. His faith is accounted for righteousness. So how do we become righteous then if we can't work for it? Well, then our work is to believe on the work of Jesus and that is accounted to us and we are made righteous. We are made righteous by Jesus's work on the cross, by his finished work. He paid the debt that we could never pay. We cannot pay the debt. We cannot fulfill the law. Jesus paid the debt. Jesus fulfilled the law that we could never fulfill. And through that finished work, we are declared justified and righteous and holy and pure and cleansed and sinless by believing on him, Jesus, who did all the work. And as I said in, in Romans 4, 6 and 7, David said, David, looking forward, looking into the future when Jesus would come, David, King David said, blessed is the man whom God imputes righteousness. He, God imputes. God gives us his righteousness. He puts it upon us without our works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. I am not a sinner. I was a sinner and I am now saved by grace. And now I am the righteousness of God. So when you read the Old Testament and the laws, you can change the Old Testament water into the New Testament wine. There's a transformation that happens because of what Jesus did on the cross. His finished work, completed, done, finished. Nothing needs to be added. We don't need to help it along. But then you say, well, then why does it say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling? The work is to believe. The work is sometimes hard for us, and that's to trust, meaning to rest. The work is actually to rest. It seems like contradictory but it's not because when we rest when we rest in jesus's finished work then that's when we can see fruition that's when we see the manifestation that's when we see our righteousness rise up when we know it's not anything that we've done it's not our righteousness and from my works it's my righteousness through believing that i am the righteousness of christ Jesus. Ah, so James one two says, count it all joy when you fall into divers, many or diverse or different temptations. Temptations here, are trials or or testing. Here's some of the work, the trying or the testing or the using of your faith worketh patience or produces patience. So there's the work, using your faith when your faith is being tested, when your stand is being tested, count it all joy. There's the work. Count it all joy and use your faith to trust, to rest. Let patience have her perfect work or her perfect product so that you may be perfect and entire, whole and complete, wanting nothing, not doubting, resting, trusting. When we face the challenges and the battles and the trials that we all do, we are to rejoice. We are to count it all joy. How? Why? Why are we going to count it all joy? How? Because those challenges, those battles, those trials, not sent by God to teach you anything, but sent by your enemy because we live in a fallen world. Those trials, those battles, those challenges, they will strengthen your faith. There's the work. You're getting stronger, producing patience for the outcome and what's the outcome? The outcome is always victory because Jesus paid the price and he already won. So that patience, that knowing confidence, it's another word for patience, in the victory will lead us to completeness, to wholeness, to perfection, to our entirety, wanting nothing, lacking nothing, knowing we can always be at rest, trusting the finished work of the cross for our victory over death for our health, for our wealth, for our wisdom, for long life, for joy, for all of those things. Now, I also want to tie this into what we were talking about with the latter reign. When we talk about working out our salvation with fear and trembling. So the work is the trusting, the confidence, the building of the faith in what Jesus has already done. So we, if we think of it as kind of like a former and a latter reign, So the former rain, when you first get saved, you're dry, you're dusty, you're a little hardened. So you have this soft rain and this rain that gets your heart soft and prepared. It's almost like this honeymoon that you're having where you fall in love with the Lord and how wonderful he is and all that he's done. And it's just wonderful So that the seeds can now be planted in that softened heart, the seeds prosperity, the seeds for health, the seeds for mission work, the seeds for your purpose, the seeds for loving your enemies, for all these things that now your heart is being prepared for so that you can now get the latter rain, which is a heavier rain, which is going to prepare all those seeds for manifestation. Manifestation of your health, manifestation of prosperity and wisdom and love and every good thing and the works of the Holy Spirit. So I'm trying to tie this all together as with the former and the latter reign. So, for example, if you can look at it this way, the four gospels are the works and the words of Jesus, the truth to believed and accepted. That's what we look at first. When we first get saved, we start looking at the Gospels, and what Jesus said, and how much he loved people, and how he laid hands on the sick, and how he raised the dead, and how he had compassion for the leper, and how he did all these wonderful things in his life. And then, of course, how he sacrificed himself. Perfect man, never sinned, sacrificed himself, took all our sin on him, and exchanged it for his righteousness. Those are the four Gospels. Then we move into the later books of the New Testament, for example, Romans, where you have a book of practical exhortation. Now that we believe what Jesus did, now we've seen what Jesus has done, and now we believe it, now we want to work out our salvation by living it. Not someone trying to be good and trying to be holy, but living as the righteousness of God, understanding what that truly means through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So, I like to kind of make this comparison, and I have a chart in my notebook, and I have the Gospels on one column, and I have Romans on another column. If you look at it like this, so under the Gospels, if you compare it to things in the Old Testament, because everything in the Old Testament just just points to Jesus. So if you think of the Gospels, which are the falling in love part, the learning about Jesus and his works and what he's done for us, we get saved and we receive the work of Jesus. We receive the blood that washes us clean. So it's comparable to the Red Sea when the Jews escaped Egypt, which is a symbol of sin, and God parted the Red Sea for them and And they walked through the Red Sea as a kind of a foreshadowing of us being washed in the blood of Jesus. They escape sin and they believe they're saved. They can see they're saved because they've left slavery and now they are out of Egypt. So that would be like us getting covered in the blood of Jesus, reading about his words and works, the former rain. It prepares the ground for plowing and planting. It's preparing our hearts for the crops for the fruit. So God opened the path of the Red Sea for the Jews. God prepared that sacrifice for us, and Jesus went willingly to make himself a sacrifice for us. Now, if you look at Romans, and we're still in the the New Testament, Romans, obviously, but you look back in the Old Testament, and let's look at the Jordan River. Now, the Jews crossed the Jordan River also, but from the Jordan River, they were going into the Promised Land. So they were wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. There was a new generation that was coming into the promised land. So they were ready to enter the promised land under the guidance of Joshua. So it's like us finally accepting our identity as the righteousness of God, um, walking and living as the righteousness of God. The latter reign So this is the latter rain. This is where the crops are ripened. All those seeds that have been planted, all the things that we learned about Jesus and what he did and why he did it and who we are and why we are who we are through his finished work. That's the harvest. That's the fruit. And the latter rain is ripening that fruit to bring it to fruition so that we can see it in the natural. Now, this is, I thought was an interesting revelation. When the Jordan River parted, God didn't part it. Read it yourself. Read it carefully. When the Jews left Egypt, God parted the Red Sea. The Jews couldn't do it. God did it for them. When the Jordan River parted, God didn't do it. The high priests did it. And how did they do it? They stepped into the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant. What is the Ark of the Covenant? It's the mercy seat. It's grace. So who are the priests today? We are. Why? Because we carry grace inside of us. Who is grace? Grace is Jesus. So who parted the Jordan River? The high priest parted the Jordan River carrying Jesus in the ark, carrying grace. So now we, as the righteousness of God, we are the high priests carrying grace, carrying Jesus, the Holy Spirit inside of us. We are to part the Jordan River. We are to manifest the blessing. We are to manifest everything that is good and wise and health and prosperity and love. So in the early stages, the former reign, God was there showing us, helping us, teaching us in order to mature us. We don't want to stay babies anymore, right? We want to drink milk when we're babies, but then we want to eat meat when we're adults. So now we want to be ready for the latter rain, where we can stand in the Jordan River, housing Jesus inside of us as the righteousness of God, and we can part the Jordan River with the power and the authority that Jesus gave us when he made us the righteousness of himself. I just thought that was a really cool kind of revelation for me, and I hope I explained it So that you can kind of get a grasp on it. But I encourage you to go into the scriptures yourself. Read these scriptures for yourself. And find the revelation for yourself. And build on it. Because you can go further than I did with this. And I'm still delving into it. Because the scriptures are a living thing. So you can read it once and get something. And you can read it again and get something more. And that's the work. That's the working out your salvation with fear and trembling. That means... Not fear like you're trembling in the corner, I'm so afraid because I'm a sinner and I'm so horrible. No, with awe, with jaw-dropping awe and amazement and fascination and love and wonder and worship and praise. That's how you work, quote unquote, out your salvation by realizing you're the righteousness of God and what an amazing gift you have been given of authority and dominion on this earth. So we are to walk out there like Jesus did and change the world, one person at a time. I want to just say that I love you. We love you here at Who's Your Daddy podcast. We love you. God loves you. And Jesus is Lord. Stay blessed.
0: Thank you for listening to today's broadcast from the History with God Ministries. This teaching is a powerful ministry tool that you can use to experience the power of God in your life. Thank you again for listening and for helping us reach the world with the love of Jesus. A History with God Ministries. Seeing, hearing, remembering. Until next time, remember, we love you, God loves you, and Jesus is Lord. Stay blessed.